Kia ora, buenos dias and greetings lovely listeners. Dan Palmer coming at you with the latest episode of the Making Permaculture Stronger project. And today I feel joy in that the conversation I share represents for me stepping through a door. A door that was opened way back in episode 15 in an interview with someone by the name of Clinton Callahan, originator of something called Possibility Management. A conversation in which we explored the role of consciousness in design process, the relationship between consciousness and responsibility, and related topics. Where today my, my experience was stepping through the door and all, and also really letting what has become for me a very important source of clarity and inspiration in my life and my work, really letting that flow more fully into the space of this project, this podcast. And I was delighted to find myself in conversation with who seemed like the perfect partner to do exactly this, Brianne Valencourt. And a a huge part of, of what stepping through the store into, into the space, which is really about exploring the, the potential riches and value that possibility management has to offer permaculture, has to offer the dynamics of healthy design process, is about harnessing the power of conscious feelings, not only in our design processes, but in our life, to, to access and unleash and tap into fresh layers and levels of aliveness, of of relaxing back into being alive and becoming less constricted, less clenched, less blocked up conduits for life to support the the birthing and emergence of, of beautiful live whole patterns and forms and outcomes and adventures and so on, which I'm sure we all agree are desperately required at this time. If you want to learn more about Brian's work, I strongly recommend her beautiful website, which is briannevalancourt.org. That's B-R-I-A-N-N-E-V-A-I-L-L-A-N-C-O-U-R-T.org. Check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes. And go and sign up to Brian's uh, newsletter, which I did just before. You can also go to the show notes, which is makingpermaculturestronger.net slash consciousfeelings. And there'll be a bunch of links to a bunch of things we mentioned. There'll also be a place where you can register your interest. If this territory, this space, this domain we're exploring here resonates with you, please go to makingpermaculturestronger.net slash consciousfeelings and register your interest. Brian and I, after this conversation, we had this joint impulse to collaborate, to create some kind of experience where we invite others into this stuff, which may be the form of like a six-week online workshop or we're not sure yet and if you are interested and I really hope that some of you out there are to me this is really amazing stuff magical stuff will let your the nature of your interest inform what actually happens so that's that you can also visit makingpermaculturestronger.net to find out more about this project as a whole ways to support it ways to engage with there's a bunch of online online courses coming up that you may be interested in including on the topic of whole oriented or holistic decision making and the topic of more living design process. I want to express my gratitude to Alan Schwint. Alan is a musician, a composer who kindly emailed me one day, she's a listener of the podcast, and offered for me to use some of her beautiful compositions. Uh, she has this series called The Forest is Alive on Vimeo. Uh, this is the first time I've, I've taken her up on that offer, so there's a musical interlude with sounds from the forest, in this case of water mounting and flowing in springtime, overlaid with beautiful um, instrumental 
music thank you so much ellen i'll have a link to ellen's um, site and vimeo channel on the show notes all right let's go link arms with brianne and boldly step through this door i mentioned enjoy thanks for listening and catch you in the next episode thank you brianne for joining me on the show today you're welcome dan thank you for inviting me i feel glad to be here To set a little context here, I want to share how you how you ended up here. And, and so I've been involved in and learning from and engaging with this space of possibility management for several years. And somewhere along the way, maybe a couple of years back, I interviewed Clinton Callahan, who's the originator of possibility management. We talked about consciousness and evolution and permaculture and so on. And then it must have been a couple of years later, Clinton issued a challenge generally and also to me specifically, and he brought it to my attention that there was a sense in which I, was, I Dan Palmer, was hiding behind this maze of websites. There's quite a long list of them. Uh, and I was kind of looking at creating this umbrella website called Designing for Life. Then uh, the idea is someone could eventually navigate through the maze of other websites to arrive here at this umbrella. But even then, I was hiding the sense that my name wasn't in the title. And um, as part of issuing that challenge, he, he shared uh, uh, several links to, to people in the possibility management space that had websites around their own name, you know, that really was saying, this is me, this is what I stand for, and so on. And that landed for me. And so I was looking at some of these links, and one of them was to your website. And I, have, I had this experience of reading through your website, and it We'll share the link here. It was really landing for me. I was really enjoying the experience. And then I see my name, Dan Palmer, making fun of a strong admission. What the heck? <laughs> I just, I was not expecting that. And maybe you can speak a little bit to that. Um, mm. So anyway, that's how I found out about you. And on, on your site, I, I learned that you were not only interested in possibility management, but also in permaculture. And I, I was excited to reach out, which I've done to ex- really as well as getting to know you and inviting you into the space and hearing about you and your journey and what you're about to explore together this edge between mm. these two different spaces. So welcome. And I'd love to hear you speak to your, your, your journey and how, how you've gotten involved in these two things and where it all stands today. Mm. Yeah. I w- just before this interview, I was thinking about it thinking, wow, what a coincidence of how an echo is at work the earth coincidence control office just orchestrating things and it was in 2019 i had been practicing permaculture doing designs and working in the whole as a market gardener myself but also trying to incorporate permaculture into market gardening this extremely challenging task of of doing those things and I was actively listening to to your podcast, which I heard about from this guy called Dave. I don't know his last name in uh, New Zealand uh, that I met at the IPC in India in what 2017 now. So then I started listening to Making Permaculture Stronger, and I listened to your podcast about Clinton that where you interviewed Clinton, and that's where I discovered possibility management. And I got involved with possibility management quite intensively throughout this past year, just delivering my own trainings during Rage Club. I did the first maids training quite a year ago now, and then 
moving into delivering Rage Club and, and Fair Club and then going to um, Europe to study with Clinton and Aunt Chloe. And yeah, it was quite the journey. And then kind of to circle back around and, and um, connect with you online was just quite the surprise for me of like, wow, now I'm going on to permaculture strong, make, making permaculture stronger after having discovered possibility management there and just, yeah, this is quite the wild trip. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear there's a kind of neutrality there. You surprised me by, I was, I, I was surprised when I read your website and I, I get to surprise you finding yourself <laughs> on the show. <laughs> well, I, I have the sense that for, for listeners, there's probably a, a question, which is, well, so what, what is this? Give me something to hold on to. What is this possibility mm. management stuff and how maybe we focus there and then we can come to what it might bring to permaculture. But let's, yeah, if you'd be happy to share a little bit about what, what possibility management is for you. Mm. Great. Yeah, for me, a lot of it is encapsulated in the title how to manage possibilities or create more possibility or even kill possibility. And a lot of that happens through initiation, which is to go through an experience that allows you to be more responsible for your life. And to, so a lot of what the work of possibility management is creating spaces or creating processes and tools for people to to go through some kind of healing or transformation that allows them to be more responsible to have more choice to have more possibility and to really take a stand for themselves and the life that they want to create and what they want to bring to the world and it's this really amazing kind of field of research possibility management is not like a like a teaching or some somewhere where you just sit and and take in all this information it really happens on multiple levels in your system not just intellectually but also emotionally and energetically and and it kind of changes your shape and and it allows people to uh, collaborate in the space and discover new things it's not just something that exists that you learn and you move on is this kind of infinite space of, of research where everyone is welcome to discuss, to make discoveries and share them. Yeah. And that resonates with my experience also. It was, it was a big deal for me. There, there are these entry kind of in a way that in terms of workshops and stuff, the equivalent of a permaculture design certificate course I suppose something like that. These expand the box events, and yeah, I went to one of those in New Zealand with with Clinton and Chloe several years ago, and I was struck by the power and the brilliance, and in a way, how obvious it is. But we would explore something intellectually to give our minds enough um, enough of a handle to effectively not freak out when we did the mm -hmm. next bit. So the idea would be that a, a new distinction gets landed in our minds and then we straight away go into an experience. And quite often that involves getting into a, a group of two or three and trying something out in real time. And, and pretty much always my experience of these breakout experiments or experiences is that within seconds, they just kind of blow away a lot of the superficial bullshit that I've come to realize 
uh, makes up you know, like, I don't know, 80, 90 percent of of normal, ordinary, everyday life, where mm. so much of it is unconscious patterns and stuff we're not really noticing. So that's exposed and blown away. And so things get really intense, really fast <laughs> and very real and raw. And you're discovering uh, ways of being and aspects of yourself that you just weren't conscious of before. And like you were saying, what is implied by what you're saying is that until you become conscious of something, that let's say you're limiting yourself to 10 of a million possibilities in this moment, you can't make a different choice. Mm. You have to notice something in order to be able to shift it. Yeah, I, f- I find it quite brilliant to the way that the way that these trainings have been shaped with so much clarity and so much so little room to to not transform. It's like there, it, it is impossible for you not to transform. And yeah, it was really an amazing training that Clinton created. <laughs> yeah, that's right. By putting it, there's aspects I'm, I've discovered of myself that are pretty good at not transforming, but they even mm-hmm. they struggle in these spaces. Now I'm having the sense that we really not, we need to we need to give an example, a clear example mm-hmm. to make this concrete. I can maybe find something or let's see if something comes up for you. You know, an example of the kind of thing that in that in an experience you're called to to notice and to then go from merely intellectually grasping to getting on a, on an energetic level or a bodily experiential level. Well, I would say that a lot of the kind of beginning steps in possibility management are about learning to feel consciously and not just be overtaken by your feelings, thinking that oh, you know, I'm I'm a modern person, I'm not angry or I'm not scared of anything or I'm not sad and and just going through this kind of normal numbness kind of level and and just a, a lot of the beginning work is to become aware that there are feelings happening in you at all times and they all have a very specific kind of purpose or use and and a really practical example would be anger discovering that anger is just making the shift from what unconscious anger is to what conscious anger is i mean using conscious anger i can make boundaries i can tell people no this is my space i don't want you in my space and it is only through this work of conscious feelings work through possibility management that I personally have been able to say that to people and say, no, back off. I'm noticing that I'm feeling angry. I have enough space and clarity and also consciousness inside me to become aware of, wow, I'm feeling this feeling of anger because this person is too close to me. Now I make the choice back off. And I can say that instead of unconsciously feeling anger and then creating resentment towards this person and later on kind of having a revenge strategy towards them by just not talking to them or avoiding them. And all of this kind of happens without me intentionally wanting to create that. But in this case, when I can feel the anger consciously, I can make a boundary and then we can have intimacy. Well, it's kind of this brilliant uh shift that is possible i I resonate with that's the place that's the the thing to mention first is this exploration of what does it mean to consciously feel 
yeah, mm. that's continues to be huge for me. Re- realizing that I was socialized in a culture where there's this, this enormous level of numbness as a very young young child, mm-hmm. getting normalized into into creating a, a big kind of buffer or barrier that, that put me out of touch of, with my own feelings, especially when they were when they were at low levels. Mm-hmm. And what it all means. I mean, it was it, it was amazing to me the experience of oh my gosh, feelings are not inherently bad or good. They're they're <laughs> they're real. They're in a sense neutral sources of energy and information. And I'm already using them all the time. And my scope to do so more consciously is is, is incredible. And how much of our everyday life is about um, staying in our heads and, and and effectively pretending we're not feeling things that we are feeling, as opposed to learning to tune into those and bring them into the space and what that makes possible. You froze up for a little bit. Yeah, I'm back now and we're we're just frying the internet over here. (laughs) Um. (laughs) That's great. It was Amazing for me to yeah, realize like with the anger stuff that if you're using clarity and you're starting things and stopping things and changing direction, which I'm doing all the time with all these projects, I'm, I'm already using anger you know, that, and, I, and I need it. It's not something that I want to, oh, no, I'm angry. I need to shelve that away or repress it or pretend it's not there to bring, bring that forward. Mm-hmm. And then with the other, with, with, the, um, with the fear and the sadness and the joy also. The, the fear is this archetypal fuel or resource of, of magic. Yeah. Which we're, we're sort of brought up to, again, repress or belittle or, or to, to run away from. Like, you know, I'm afraid of something, I'll, I'll just turn around and walk in the other direction. When on, mm-hmm. on through and on the other side of that fear is where so, so much of life's magic is waiting to unfold. Yeah. And I feel a lot of anger and sadness for. A, many of these kind of alternative cultures making fear this bad thing that this whole concept of spiritual bypass being this like oh if you feel fear then you're some kind of unenlightened or unconscious person and I've found that to be in my experience quite the opposite to run away from fear and to to numb fear is is just creating more unconsciousness and, and more pain for myself. Mm-hmm. How would you feel if we explore, let me know if something else comes up for you, but if we start mm. to explore how, how some of what we've already talked about, what it might have to offer in the space of permaculture, working as a permaculture designer or you know, um, permaculture contexts. Is this, is this something you're doing at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I'm really, at the moment, I'm, I'm working as a, I guess, as a consultant for a community farm in British Columbia and Canada, uh, kind of blending both m- mediums together, which is quite interesting because what I'm discovering is that a lot of the a lot of the possibility management tools I'm using to really empower people to be their kind of their best selves or their authentic selves. And in doing that, they, they are having more 
kind of more energy, more willingness to to create projects, to be in collaboration, to um, yeah, to to look for new ways of doing things, and especially, I think I find it also as a just as a designer to work with my clients. I'm I'm using this tool so that we can be in co-creation, and it takes a lot of this. It, it takes my four feelings to navigate this space of relationship with my client of like, okay, where are you at? Where am I at? And how can we negotiate what we want or what, what I see is best for, for the land in some ways and what, what you are, have as a vision and how can we kind of communicate properly with each other so that we can kind of achieve what we want to achieve or kind of hold space for the land to become what it wants to become in some other ways. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm very passionate about what I'm calling a living design process where as much as supporting clients and whether or not they're involved in landscapes and when that, where they are developing a relationship with the landscape, moving the focus from an outcome that's alive, that's adapted and, and beautiful and productive, et cetera, to what does it mean for that process to be alive and realizing that unless feelings are really informing the process, the dialogue, the conversations, the decision-making every moment, it's being blocked from being alive. There can be a, you know, there can be a sense, like when I started in permaculture design consultancy work, it was, it was very intellectually based and, mm. I would be repressing feelings in the space. So would the clients, you know, if they were feeling afraid of some a direction we were going and oh, let's just put that to one side and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And now, like, as I reduce, lower my numbness bar, so I'm more in tune with my own feelings, which immediately puts me more in touch with what other feelings are in the space. Mm-hmm. Part of possibility management, of course, is getting clear on that feeling is over there is that feeling inside me or is it over <laughs> there? i'm feeling fear is that because i'm letting someone else's fear leak into me or actually feeling mm. and so on getting clear on where they're located and then then being able to it's like not not only move from they're an impediment or something to be ignored but, but something that gets in the way and and mm. I, I, I and others i know still probably carry that kind of perspective you know let's be objective here let's be rational this is this is about mm. A logical process to letting them be in the space to actually welcoming them and, and using them and i'm picking up on something they do you know while well, i'm actually feeling a little afraid about this or myself i'm feeling afraid that if you were to divert water in that way or something this might be a consequence mm-hmm. it's, it's just like a wonderful thing yeah and the the land has has no words you know it doesn't speak with words and i think dropping down into really the sensations in your body and the feelings that are happening, whether it's in me as a designer or in the client, really allows me to be in tune with this, I would say this consciousness of the land, which is not speaking with words. And and by, yeah, by dropping down into my body and my emotions and my sensations, I'm kind of opening myself to this language the land's language yeah also i'd I'd love to dive into this it's something i've been uh, it's a it's a research edge for me and there's there's a distinction 
and I want to, it's sort of obvious from what we've said, but I want to keep it, get a, just re repeat that we're mentioning some of these distinctions and your mind can chew on them. And there's a difference between that and, and finding a place where you can experience them. And if anyone's mm -hmm. interested, re you know, reach out and let's look at possibilities for that. I've been exploring, yeah, how, how does the distinction between these and possibility management, they refer to them as these four different bodies, like four mm -hmm. different centers, four different aspects, or whatever or, or you want to call them, but the distinction stands nonetheless between our intellectual body or our intellectual center and mind and its thoughts, and then our physical body with its sensations, sensing temperature and pressure and so on, um, and what's happening inside and outside. Then our emotional body, which we've been exploring a little bit with our, with our feelings. And then there's the energetic body also. And there's also this space for when all the bodies come together. Let's, uh, mm. I'm happy to yeah. read that for another time. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still really working on bringing those four, to, four into, into more um, harmony. And I've been sitting with the question, what, what is the role of each of these four bodies or centers in a healthy process? Mm. And, and when you're talking about getting in touch with the land, at, at this stage, what I'm, what I'm finding is I'm personally using the, my emotional body and the feelings of myself and my clients more in the immersing in people and, and keeping the, the conversations and dialogue alive. Um, and then when I'm moving around the space, especially early in the process and supporting clients to get to know their place in a, in a different way, in a deeper way, I'm really inviting this energetic body in, which, which has which has presence, and we can just it's like you get a sense of of where where things are off and where they're on, or where there's resonance and where there's tension and 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 so on. And I'm realizing mm. using my physical body as a personally as a as a bridge or a portal to get from my mind into my energetic or my emotional body. That by kind of inviting my energetic body to come forward and moving around a property it's it's like a kind of a scanning and it's it's mm -hmm. an amazing experience and it really oh, yeah. is so much more like rather than my mind kind of throwing ideas onto the place and which is everyone you know we can create a map that way mm. the the what's there in the landscape coming through my energetic body um, and then up through my physical body into my mind and and my mouth and you know and then things can be drawn mm -hmm. um and, and what I'm finding too is when I do the experiment where multiple of us move around the property, we kind of get calibrated and talk about what this means and do some experiments. And then off we go, no talking, go off in different directions and start to notice distinctions in the landscape, which are mm. bringing us in touch with the, uni the uniqueness of the place. Like the correspondence between what, what is noticed is like remarkable, you know, 90% like yeah. plus correlation in what we picked up on, as opposed to when you go and map it with your mind correlation is really low because there's some <laughs> projection and imposition right which is and again which is not in any way to diminish the power and the relevance and the beauty and the clarity of the mind you know that it's mm -hmm. such a such an important component but realizing certainly in my case and and i suspect in a lot of other designers cases it's it's just it's been overly dominant or dominant to the mm -hmm. detriment of the life of the process and then mm -hmm. and, 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 and hence what's possible um, in terms of what the process can unfold or reveal or breathe life into, yeah. Yeah, and it, it really makes the difference between a, a process that is merely kind of centered in the intellect and, and just a conceptual kind of concrete planning, a very analytical process, or a fully embodied process of life, you know, of aliveness, of 
you know, emotions and sensations in your energetic body that are informing you through your physical body to your mind. And this, this whole ecstatic thing that is happening. And, and it's not just, you know, this, I mean, we've been so disconnected from all of our bodies and over intellectualized through this whole education system that it's, I think a lot of the possibility management work, what it has to offer to permaculture is really to drop down into life, to being so fully alive. And in this way, also, we're even more connected to the land because the land is so alive and is unapologetically alive and flowing and expressing itself fully with no holding back. Mm-hmm. And if we can also be in this space of being so fully alive without holding back and without stuffing parts of ourselves and hiding them and not letting them express themselves, then we can be so much more creative and so much more in line with what's real and, and, and in ecstasy in this space also. Oh, yes. I'm feeling like a joy and sadness in what you're sharing and also a, a huge energetic resonance the ecstasy and the aliveness. There was, there was such a transformation for me is moving from, because I used to find it exhausting because I would be, I would be kind of holding myself in my mind and forcing an intellectually driven process and, and kind mm-hmm. of fitting into the, the pigeonhole that not, that not only I was putting myself in, but my clients often were as well, which is Dan's, the, 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 the expert, he's going to come and tell us and pose mm-hmm. his clever ideas and all this to, to dropping into more of an alive process where rather than, because I want to realize it's, it's kind of exhausting to repress these other aspects of myself, you know, like no shut up feeling or um, quiet down energetic body or physical body, you know, whatever it is. That's exhausting. It takes energy to block. And what you're doing is you're blocking yourself from being alive, from letting mm-hmm. the different forces and, and movements and voices and energies inside you from working together. Mm-hmm. As, as you're speaking, I, it was touching me in a way that reminds me of how I was touched by some of the writing of Christopher Alexander. And in the, mm-hmm. um, a book, beautiful book called The Timeless Way of Building, he talks about the different, I don't know if he uses the word forces at play, but that's what he's getting at, like the different forces that are present inside a person, as well as those that are present out in the environment. And one of the ways he actually talks about what aliveness is and what it, what it means to say that a tree is alive or an, an ecosystem is alive or a white ocean or a wave or a starfish is alive is that there's a tensionlessness there there's a, a resolvedness it's like when there's enough forces at play the, the the rock just cracks or the volcano erupts what you know whatever it is that that in the rest of the living world there's a sense of utter tensionlessness like the forces at play that are creating the shape of a wave are, the wave is harmonizing and equalizing beautifully until it drops into breaks and drops into chaos but even then at every moment what is happening is a perfect reflection of, of the surrounding forces at play. And then mm. so much of what humans have become is about, is about saying fuck you to that whole idea of, of aliveness and tensionlessness mm-hmm. and holding all this tension you know, and trying to yeah. stop us being who we are. And then that flows out into our design process, which flows out into the things we're designing and creating. So we walk down a city street and it's just all ugly, alienating, boring, deathly nonsense. And it's full mm-hmm. of tensions. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just, like tension central. And I, I love that way of coming at the distinction between a, li- 
a living space and a non-living space because suddenly it's not like our nature is the separate thing that we can only ever attain to but we're basically fundamentally flawed humans that no we're we're part of Gaia also and that we can relearn to participate in processes that are so alive that tensions are dissolving in all directions and and mm-hmm. it, like we get to experience that too you know like the idea that a process of engaging professionally or otherwise with clients to support them on their journey towards I mean the way I see it is towards aliveness mm-hmm. um like we don't need to shut the door in ourselves. Like we get so after, like you say, it, it can be an authentically ecstatic experience, and and from, from so far from exhausting, it can be so enlivening and enriching and energizing um, <laughs> that you come out like just buzzing with life and energy, and that's how it ought to be. And mm-hmm. and if that's not happening, it's like, well, what's what do we need to shift? You know, what am I going to yeah. use my anger to actually shift and change direction? Maybe it's not. Maybe I I ought to pull out of the project, or maybe I ought to suggest some bold move, make some bold move, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But that, that's almost a criterion for me now is how alive mm-hmm. am I feeling as mm-hmm. we go along. Yeah. And it creates this really deep intimacy between the people that are part of this project and the land. And it's this whole connection happening instead of being in this space of control. Because I think a lot of this intellectualization is really about controlling things and and projecting our kind of conditioning onto a space. And, and then it has no possibility of being anything other than this one thing that you're projecting on it, yeah. where it could be millions of possibilities, infinite. There are infinite possibilities for what a space can become, for what a land or a space of relationship can become, and, and to, to limit it with some kind of intellectual mind control zombie game is, is just dishonoring and also dis, disrespectful. I, and, and this is a lot of the grief that I, that I feel for, these, for this kind of game world of permaculture and also just growing food. And yeah, uh, that's why I'm kind of shifted out of this world and, and trying to come in from a different angle <laughs> and bringing different ideas from the outside in. Awesome. Oh, so welcome. As you're speaking, I was connecting with, with the sadness and the anger that drives so much of my work in, in permaculture where, where I've been very passionately motivated to, to look at regenerating permaculture from, from within mm-hmm. as, as well as exploring other um, other things like holistic decision making and living design process mm-hmm. that's the that's this kind of this common theme of coming back home to life something like that and as you're speaking that like that sense of like unconscious imposition and, and mm-hmm. projection how deep that is and, and like i'm not i see it in myself still it's so deep this tendency to just grab on mm-hmm. something and to have a process so often hijacked by images oh we could do this mm-hmm. we could do that or so and so said this would work or i saw this in a, a book or whatever and, and one thing i love about my experience of being in these possibility management spaces is that like what there's distinctions and structure and and clarity and and, and whatnot and yet what's hef- happening in the moment what's emerging right now what's being born in the moment it's what wants to happen and, mm-hmm. and it's being held or birthed more than imposed or forced in any way. And I aspire to bring that same quality into permaculture design processes where it's like the point of the process is to be this 
very alive um, container or, or space that's holding holding a, a process that's supporting the, the most beautiful, alive, and whole things to emerge, where where we can just kind of unclench and relax mm-hmm. and, and and let those things flow through us, and they're going to be so much better than anything our I was going to say our puny little minds, but that's it's not that it's not about that. Our beautiful um, and yet partial minds mm-hmm. could, ever, could ever dream up. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it's almost this selfless mm, process of really getting yourself out of the way, so that these, mm, so that these forces which are not, so that they can speak, like. Uh, to how can how can this place this force of aliveness for example it it does not how can you be a mouthpiece for that how can you and really as this practice for me how if when i'm really trying to put myself aside so that aliveness can speak what would aliveness say right now what do these people need to hear what, the, what does this space need to hear from aliveness, this force of nature, which is aliveness or, or creation or empowerment or clarity? Yeah. To me, it's a, almost an, um, a paradox. Like I'll, I'll, you want to get, a, get out of the way enough so that you can really be present. You know, you, in a way you can, you can be <laughs> You know, so you move. I don't know how that works exactly, but it's not like you're running away. Like get out, get out of your own other way. Like leave and just go home. It's like you actually Mm -hmm. want to be here more than you were, as Mm -hmm. well as yeah. It's like getting these parts of you out of the way that would otherwise impose or shut down or block or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not about. Also, I have this fear. It's also not about leaving your body. Just like your whole. This, I've often noticed people just like leaving or even myself in really scary situations, just kind of being so ungrounded and leaving my body, but is, is really about, like you say, being really present and yet getting those parts out of the way. Mm-hmm. It was coming up for me a few experiences. I hadn't, I hadn't considered them from this perspective before, but some of the most significant moments in, 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 in my experiments with what I'm calling living design process, which usually play out over some time. I'm working with people for six months or a year or two years or whatever it is, more, more intensively at first and then seeing them less of, often as, as they gain momentum with, with, with their own living process. Yeah, that, those, those moments have been me feeling a lot of fear. Like I really feel like I need to say, I'm afraid that if you go ahead with this earthworks you've booked in for next week or whatever it is, you know, these these big decisions that sometimes are more or less already made. I'm feeling a lot of fear that you're going too fast and you're making whatever it is. And 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 being able to see that as part of my responsibility, something that I that I choose mm. to take responsibility for, because these people have engaged me to support um, them to be in healthy process and right now my job the job on my bench right now is to call them up and have a very difficult conversation mm-hmm. and being able to do that has and and, and, so, and sometimes people take it in and are grateful usually it's sometimes there's tears you know it's always very real and raw quite often they've they've shifted they've it's mm-hmm. landed for them they've sat with it and they've made a different decision and and 
so often those are the things they mention when we when we reminisce on the process it was that moment you know when i said mm-hmm. no to what all these ex- experts were about to do to land or whatever it was mm-hmm. that changed everything and it suddenly let me access different possibilities it was it was feelings mm-hmm. and primarily fear and and, yeah. and that, that's what led me to magic or led the process to, to magic mm-hmm. yeah and i'll I really resonate with what you're saying as fear being such a such an important source of information for, for these processes and for me it really has helped me to to see myself as being in service and and something that kind of helps my box which is kind of my personality or my ego not to freak out too much is to just be like, I'm, I'm serving these people. I'm serving this land. I'm serving these bright principles that are coming through me and me having this really difficult conversation and my box kind of freaking out about it is, is like, is nothing compared to the ecstasy and also the pain of being in this place of service, which is so, is so important for me at least to, to, yeah, be in the space of serving. Yeah, S- serving the the life of the process mm-hmm. it can be difficult and soft and scary. Mm-hmm. In speaking with you, I'm I'm feeling joy at. I'll continue to do this. I'll probably have dreams about it, but in, in a way, like reviewing past experiences. Mm where it's just so clear to me it's like oh yeah that it was that it was anger at that moment and that anger and fear are the ones that are most prominent mm-hmm. and, and then there's the joy and sadness also and i know there's a hunger i i i feel and i sense and and, and see like a lot of people leaving comments on the making permaculture stronger site there's this deep sense that feelings have been underplayed or um, mm. that that they aren't relevant. There's also, I've, I've had, David Holmgren and I have run several advanced design courses and we've had this in, in the class, in the fairly live conversations and, and sessions, in a way debated or had rigorous, converse, robust conversations, let's say, about the role of feelings. And mm. um, I can really appreciate the some of the reservations he had because he, he's dealt with, he shares stories where he's had clients in the past where, um, they've gone to a property and it's a beautiful still spring day and the, the oak trees just incredible and 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 they talk about how the feeling of the place how amazing it feels um, and so they buy it and it turns out that day was a miraculous day because it's never it, the rest of the time it's blowing a gale and there's it's there's mm. intense weather and and so on so his sense was that their su- their subjective feelings had misled them and yet of course that's a very it's a very vague use of the word feelings, you know. So, so my kind of counterpoint would would be it was and, and is. It's true that you don't want to just open the door to say, "Yeah, feelings." We could just talk about feelings and use them in this sort of vague, um, sort of um, fuzzy way to mm. justify anything. Um, but 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 the risks there are, are, are nowhere near what's to be gained by inviting them into the process in a, in a clear way, in a conscious way and doing the research on that. Yeah. Have you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I've been 
really letting this kind of simmer, this whole, what would it look like to have a permaculture design course and an expand the box training kind of marry each other and and create something else and have a baby what would that baby yeah. look like yeah what, what would that yeah what would that look like and i'm still kind of boiling in me simmering mm -hmm. mm. and i think there's a lot of value in feelings and, and in in possibility management the distinction is very clear there are four feelings as either anger, sadness, fear, or joy. And you can have sensations in your energetic body that give you this information of, you know, this land kind of, you would say the word feel, but it's not a feeling, you know, this land feels like a place where I would want to be. So I'll, I'll buy this land, but it, you're not saying I feel angry or I feel sad or, or joy. And so there's a, there's a distinction there that the sensations that you can feel in your energetic body are quite different than the four feelings that you have in your emotional body. Mm. And, and those are, they are so very clear and they have such a, such a specifically unique use. Each one of them, like anger is very action oriented, very decision-making and, and clear. Whereas fear as a lot of this kind of spidery sensation of um, being careful and paying attention and bringing these informations of something is off here. Something is not quite flowing properly. And, and then sadness has this energy of really just letting go and slowing down into presence and, and grieving things and creating space. Whereas joy is this playful celebration and honoring energy. They're so clear and, and so distinct from one another that it's very, in, in my experience, it's very difficult to, to get them foggy and confused. And then you get into this whole realm of emotions, which is that's where they start mixing and creating lack of clarity. Yeah, a useful distinction to drop into the to the mix mm -hmm. maybe, maybe can you speak to that um, a little bit the distinction between feelings and emotions impossibility management wait mm -hmm. those those terms are used to make a distinction yeah the the distinction that i work with is that feelings are in the present they arise about something that's happening now they have a very specific information to give you and and then they leave and it lasts maybe three minutes at a maximum, but sometimes it's like 10 seconds. I have fear about this. I move something and that's it. And it goes away. And whereas emotions is the, this kind of unfelt feelings that have been stored in your body and linger for long periods of time. And oftentimes it's, when you have not had a safe space or not the capacity to, to feel your anger fully when something traumatic was happening and you really needed to say stop, but you're, I don't know, two years old and you can't say that because you never, you, you just don't know that that's a, something you can say. And so then this anger gets stored in me. And then I, 
later on, when a situation that is similar happens, it creates this emotional reactivity where I'm disproportionately angry because it was the kind of the drop of water that made the, the glass overflow, which is a French expression. I don't know if you use that in English, but uh, it's all of these things, these little things accumulating, um, these little angers accumulating without being felt creates this big emotion that is really a doorway for healing and, and not really meant to, to be used in the moment. Yeah. 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 Thank you for your clarity on that. We found that such a useful distinction. And just mm -hmm. for any listeners out there thinking, oh, yeah, I sort of get a sense of distinction and um, I'm pretty good on that front. You know, don't, don't have so many emotions. Mm. And, um, I don't like I don't like the chances of that being true. From my own experience, you know, layers and layers and layers and layers of, of, of these emotions because when we were younger and, and just the way modern culture is today, we didn't always have the, the opportunity to, to work with our feelings in real time. Mm. So um, they don't go away. I, I, was, I was having a recollection I explored, touched on some of this, um, not outside of the context of possibility management with the permaculture designer. Actually, he wouldn't call himself that, the, the ecological designer, um, Dave Jackie. And he'd explored this idea that feelings, we discussed this idea that feelings are not random, just kind of these random annoying things that make no sense, that they, they always have, they're, they're trying to contribute something. They're, they're kind of trying to suggest something wants to happen here. And in a sense, they're knocking, they're knocking on the door of our consciousness saying, hello, you know, Wolf versus hello, hello, are you there? Is anybody there? Mm. A little bit of fear here, a little bit of sadness. And if that door's closed, it gets a bit, hello, hello, into the point it's like, hello, hello, open that door, and so on, um, until the, the door just gets smashed open and you, you're suddenly you're picking up something and it's breaking it, you know, whatever, this, this mm -hmm. explosive emotional anger is being, being released as opposed to, wow, there's feelings arising constantly. And that's a huge part of what it means to be alive. They, they evolved to be there. You know, they're they're mm. there for a reason. And, and suddenly I can befriend them and I don't need to label them good or bad. Um, I can ask, oh, okay, interesting. Right. Interesting. Where's that coming from? Um, the door is open. You know, come closer. Mm. What, what have you got for me? What have you got for me? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> Just amazing. It's such an ecstatic place of aliveness to, to really be open to feeling whatever is arising right now and to feel it so fully without holding anything back. Uh, for me is such an ecstatic place and mm. I can be so present it's like this time slows down somehow it's like I'm, I'm creating time because I'm so fully engaged with what is real right now
wanted to share some of the experiments I'll be doing with moving to the back to the energetic body. Mm. And it feels like a new field of research for me. And I'll, I'll share a, a, an example, which is often on, on a lot of the projects I've been involved in, access is an early consideration, water access, trees and so on. And as we've been working with different possibilities for a main driveway into a property, I've moved away from intellectually with my mind drawing on a map or saying, well, logically, this makes the best sense using the contours or whatever it is to be informed by that, but then energetically sensing. So like getting into a vehicle and, and a lot of this is actually to what extent can we mock up or how close can we get to experiencing like let the experience of, of using the space tell us what wants to happen here rather than thinking about it or trying to predict or impose it. So get in a vehicle and drive where it might be or walk or mark it out and see how that looks. And, and one thing I discovered in retrospectively realizing, oh, that was, I can use the clarity of the distinction between the emotional body and the energetic body to realize that's what was happening here. And what I noticed mm -hmm. was that um, as you approach a destination, you, you arrive and part of you is like, okay, where am I heading? And you, so you're trying to, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, a desire to kind of lock onto, okay, that's the house, that's where I'm heading. And then as you proceed down the driveway towards it, if, the, if it, it doesn't matter if the driveway's kind of curvy or straight or whatever, but if every meter you travel on the driveway gets you closer to the house, even if it's a millimeter closer, because you're, you're kind of driving up and around and then circling into it, there's something in your energetic body that, that's resonating or that feels there's a rightness to it. Mm. Whereas even it's very subtle, if, if that's not the case and you're, you can see where you're heading and just the nature of the driveway because someone decided to curve it around the back of the trees or whatever it was or, or body of water, there's something in, in, your, in your energetic body that doesn't feels there's something wrong. And mm. it's an energetic thing. It's not an intellectual thing. And it makes sense intellectually. And I could notice, you know, I was, oh, yeah, okay, that's why that. But at the time mm. we discovered it because we felt we, we sensed it um, energetically. And I'm, I'm accumulating more and more examples of that and realizing that's, to me, it's a clear example of what's happening there and how much power that brings and how that can even lead the process. And then the mind mm -hmm. can come in later to sketch it out and you know, kind of explain the logic and all that, write the report. Mm -hmm. and then the, the energetic body can uncover, which is so, so important, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. you you're not aware of that. You, you put a driveway in and this makes sense. This seems to make sense. And every time someone drives on it, their energy, energy body is cringing. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why. And in so many designs, there's so much cringe on so many levels, mm. that, that, which is which attentions that it's that, that the aliveness of the experience of being somewhere is is constrained because of the mm -hmm. process. The process wasn't able to um, access these other layers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate so much the work that you're doing this to make this process conscious. Uh, of all these parts that are in this live design process, there, there's a lot that is happening that is not really easy to describe or to put into words. Yeah. And, and to do this work of saying, okay, this is the part where the energetic body comes in. And, and this is the part where the, it's my fear and my anger and my sadness guiding me. And it's, yeah, it's really wonderful that you are able to put the words on there and make it accessible to other people in that way as you're speaking i have an impulse coming through which is to invite you along sometime 
is the Making Permaculture Stronger Developmental Community. And, and, and I've, I've been um, bringing this intent to really push these engines and, and really be researching here. And in the last session, what emerged was we set up a, a kind of a possibility management style configuration where someone was the client, someone was the, um, the, the permaculture resource or educator, which I tend to say more than designer, but it's for shorthand. Well, someone was the permaculture designer, someone was the client, and then someone was the coach. Uh, and there was there was a sort of sub coaches or observers as well, and um and and the client was someone who had an actual project they were interested in, and said okay go like interview the client, and it was so much fun. Wow. Um, in the moment, and uh, I, I don't know how this will land <laughs> for people, but there's impossibility management. There's this distinction between being a unconscious asshole and a, a conscious asshole. A conscious asshole here is kind of a it's it's not at all a bad thing. And what that meant in this space was basically to interrupt and say, I want to yeah. stop you there. I want to stop you there. So what just happened, what I, I just noted energetically was the client fell asleep or, or, mm. or, or there's a pulse of like, there was this spark of life that just leapt out of their eyes and you missed it. And you kept mm. going onto your next question. Did you, do you know what I'm talking about? Did you pick up on that? Okay, let's do it. Let's start again. Or let's, let's rewind go there, ask them a question about that. And then, woof, you know, suddenly that's wow. magnified, you know, and so actually honing and realize how fast it is, you know, like yeah. within seconds, it's it's alive. And I, my sense was for me, certainly, and, and from what others reported the experience that it, it felt really relevant and powerful because that's what we're doing every time. We're starting a process, mm -hmm. we're talking to people. And so, oh, right, yeah, from the very beginning, both both how we show up, like what, how much how much of our attention is there, how present we are, how many of our bodies are there, um, and so on. In a way, how clean we are, yeah. like, like how, how much residue are we carrying from the argument we had this morning or whatever or not, how present mm -hmm. can we be? And, and then how, how actively are we deploying or engaging and using these distinctions in the moment? And yeah, it felt good. So there'll be more of that. So if oh, you're wow. up for it, I'd love you to come along because you mentioned you want to do this, and this is exactly what you talked to. This yeah. Is, this is your edge, also an edge for you. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe yeah. we run an article about it, or, or whatever it is, or, or the 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 scare the scarier possibility would be that we design a, a situation where we record this, you know, and yeah. then share it. Yeah, I would love to. Let's keep exploring possibilities yeah, yeah. of collaboration. I'm totally up for it. Yeah, awesome. This is exactly what I'm working with here: is incorporating, yeah, these tools in in my design work. So it's great to connect with other people doing that mm -hmm. yeah, and beautiful. to practice and and yeah to push my edges even more rather than being alone in my whole kind of world not talking to anybody about what i'm discovering yeah that's i feel that sentiment too and mm -hmm. and even even today even this conversation i've been like i said i've been exploring possibility management for several years but there's been something in me that's somehow been i don't know not ready or there's been some kind of block to just dropping all these terms in like fear of it's too much or it's it's misunderstood or taken out of context or something like that mm -hmm. it's like the door is open opening in making mm. culture stronger to really be inviting this conversation in. and I'm, I'm planning a conversation with clinton and ann chloe about the difference between random haphazard processes overly structured mm. or master planned processes and mm -hmm. alive processes and to really mm. continue exploring this edge oh so, wow yeah yeah I'm looking forward to listening to it. Likewise. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Mm. 
Well, okay. Well, let's wrap this up for today. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like we covered some beautiful ground and yet I feel I could also keep going for, for hours, but I'd, so <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to continue the conversation and have you back on. I want to invite you what's, what's coming up in terms of rounding this out. Like, you know, what, what wants to come through you and to, what would you like to share and, and, and bring this to a close? Mm. The, I think the most important, uh, what is most alive for me right now is the, the importance of, in this kind of process of becoming more alive, the importance of being with the pain and, and the grief of not having been alive up till that point. And I think really grieving those, those ways that, I mean, I am still stuck and that other people are stuck. Just grieving this kind of stuckness can create so much space for, for aliveness to come in. And it's, it's not only this really ecstatic process, but it's a very painful process. And it's a process that happens most smoothly with, with people, with, with community, with support. And so whoever's listening out there, just yeah, be with the pain and, and get yourself a team to hold you in that pain. Hmm. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Dan, for for inviting me onto the show and and really, yeah, what a what a crazy life this is. <laughs> yeah, well, you unknowingly you sowed the seed. You were already calling it in when you listened to that podcast. Where it was <laughs> and now here we are. All right, thank you so much. To see where it evolves. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs>